Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Nation, we are here and we are back with you with a new show. Training Camp 2023 is now underway. A new season is finally here. A season with a lot of change. There's been a lot of turnover with the roster. New faces, young faces, a new quarterback. Three new quarterbacks. In fact, it's a season of transition for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I am here. We are here on Just Pod Baby brought to you by sportsnot.com to cover it all and, and give you my thoughts all season long. I'm excited about it. Happy to be here with you guys. Before we dive into it, now that football is back, training camp is underway and for the uh, in the first preseason game, uh, which is versus the 49ers, is about two weeks away. I wanted to uh, make you aware of the schedule now going forward for the podcast. I've been kind of in my my summer vacation schedule where it's only you know putting new shows out every couple of weeks. Um, you can't expect to hear from me now uh, on more of a weekly basis unless something comes up, and I'll let you know about that. But uh, definitely can expect to hear from me now on a weekly basis. This is your show. Uh, for the first week of August, um, I will um, get one out for you next week prior to the preseason uh, week one game, which is on Saturday, and so on and so forth. But I am I'm happy that a new season is is now underway. As I mentioned uh, in the intro, it's going to be a a season of transition. Uh, and change, but nonetheless, excitement is in the air uh, with any new season. This week on the show, we will we will hit on some of the headlines uh, coming out of the first few days of practice, including the signing of cornerback Mark, uh, Marcus Peters uh, and what that means for uh, a cornerback room with, with some question marks that I've discussed a lot here on the show. Uh, at least that's my opinion on the cornerback room. Um, I also want to spend uh, a couple of minutes uh, discussing the vibes coming out of camp surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, it sounds like uh, he has made a really good first impression with his teammates. And, and not only are they building the relationship that's important, but also you know starting to develop some of that on-the-field chemistry that is, is so key to the success of a quarterback uh, and his wide receivers. Uh, so those are a couple of the topics that we will uh, we will hit on uh, this week. Uh, I may sprinkle in a couple of others, uh, a little bit of my thoughts as well. And then in segment two, we will chat with our guest this week from the Raider Ramble, Mario Tover. Uh, Mario is the mastermind. He's the he's the founder of that great independent Raiders news source and website, the Raider Rambo, uh, Ramble. Excuse me. Uh, so we will uh, talk to him. Get some of his thoughts on the first, uh, you know, few days of training camp players that he has his eye on, and what he uh, thinks about this defense uh, this year, and, and many other things as well. Uh, so stay with us for that conversation coming up in just a little bit here. Uh, one last thing, please subscribe to the podcast uh, by clicking the subscribe button. I am entering my fifth season now 
uh, of the podcast. So uh, I, I am one of the longer running Raiders podcasts that are out there. We've got a pretty loyal uh, listener base that we've developed and, and built here over the years. And I want you guys to be a part of it if you are not already. So uh, if you're tuning in for the first time and you like what you hear today, uh, please subscribe to the show. You can find us on all of the major podcasting platforms. I have a website dedicated uh, to the podcast where all of the, the episodes are archived. That is just podbaby.com. Uh, and you can also follow me on Twitter at egrout 5 although I know it's no longer called Twitter right now. It's uh, The new name is for the platform is X. I am still going to refer to it as Twitter. I just have not quite warmed up to that new name quite yet. All right, with that out of the way, it is time for us to talk some football now. Um, the Raiders are now in camp. Uh, they've had a handful of practices. I believe uh, Monday was was the fifth day of training camp practice for the Raiders. They had the day off on Sunday, and then they are back at it this week. The pads do come on later uh, this week, so we will learn a little bit more about some of these players. Some of the players that I am curious to hear a little bit more about once the pads come on, Divine Diablo, uh, who I know was did not practice on Monday with an um, undisclosed injury. Hopefully he'll get back to that field sooner rather than later. Rookie Jacorian Bennett, he's another guy who I want to hear a little bit more about. Uh, been positive uh, comments coming out about him so far in camp. I'm also interested to see how some of these second-year running backs, uh, Zamir White, and Britton Brown, how they're looking with the pads on. Uh, each one of those guys are going to get a lot more work now uh, throughout training camp with with the absence of, of Josh Jacobs. Now, quickly, I do want to share some thoughts on the guys who aren't at practice. We just mentioned Josh Jacobs. We we were expecting this all along uh, when, when they were not able to reach that um, long-term contract agreement. Um, he still has not signed the franchise tag. So, uh, he is absent now, and, and he is he's he's holding out uh, most likely until uh, at least week one, right? We can assume. Um, remember, he's not being fined at this point because he still is not a he's a player who is not under contract right now. Currently, he's not signed the franchise tag, and so at this point in time, he's not losing any money. Um, that would only occur if he decides to to start sitting out games, and he's got a few weeks before uh, that that point in time comes. Um, my personal thoughts is I don't think he would be willing to miss any games, but you never know. Um, that's, that's $10 million that he will never be able to make up. So, you know, he would only be hurting himself financially at that point. He has no more leverage at this point in this situation. It's either he shows up and plays or he doesn't and he loses $10.1 million that he'll never be able to make back. So, um, I don't expect to see him until uh, week one uh, in September. Now, Nate Hobbs, he also missed the first couple of days of practices uh, recovering from the injury he sus- uh, sustained during the uh, softball game versus the Vegas Golden Knights. He did return to practice on Monday. Uh, I believe it was on a limited basis uh, wearing the non-contact uh, jersey. Uh, so it's good to see him back out there on the field. And then you have um, a couple of defensive linemen Um Neil Farrell uh, with an undisclosed injury, and and then rookies uh, Tyree Wilson, who was placed on the NFI list, along with uh, fellow rookie Byron Young, defensive tackle, who was placed on the PUP list with an undisclosed injury as well. So for those of you who need a little bit of a refresher on on those two designations with those lists, 
Um, I know I had to kind of brush up and do a little research to refresh my memory. With the NFI, the the non-football injury list that Tyree Wilson is on, he can remain on that list for as long as the team feels necessary. So it could be two more weeks. It could be one week. It could be week two or week three before he comes off that list. Um, and there's no like additional um, penalty uh, like with the pup list. I personally don't like the idea of a young player missing any time whatsoever, I, I, but I also don't want to make a bigger deal uh, of this um, because the uh, coaching staff and front office has been pretty transparent with, with their thoughts and their plan on Wilson since they drafted him. McDaniel says this has been a part of the plan since they selected him back at, you know, during the, at the draft. But it would really be nice to see Wilson get out there sooner rather than later, considering he has missed the entire offseason program as well. I, I don't think he's even touched the football field since he suffered this injury back in like November when he was at Texas Tech. So, um, you know, you don't want to see a young player fall behind early in, in year one. And the same goes for Brian Young, you know, the third round pick from Alabama who was placed on the pup list. Now, Young, uh, with the pup list, uh, the the team has a decision to make on him. They have up until week one, I believe, to make the call on him, whether to remove him from that list or keep him on that list. And if he's not off the list uh, by week one, then he has to remain on that list uh, up until he'll, he'll miss the first six games of the season. That's kind of why I mentioned it as more of like a penalty for keeping him on that list. It's not really a penalty, but uh, I guess you lose... You, you, you have to sit out a certain amount of games if you do stay on that list beyond a certain point. Again, it's not ideal, uh, but it is what it is at this point with these young players. You hope that they get out there uh, and, and get back to work as soon as they possibly can. Um, I think you know it's natural for fans, especially with a first-round draft pick like Tyree Wilson. They get a little bit antsy. They get a little bit anxious. They want to see this guy get out there on the field. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, we forget about this is a long-term investment. It's not only about year one. Uh, you want to make sure this guy is healthy. You want to make sure he's right and that you're not uh, affecting, you know, hit the longevity of his entire career. So, you know, be patient. He'll get out there sooner rather than later. Um, and, and I'm sure he'll be, he'll be good to go when that point in time comes. Now, another player that I want to talk about um, is, is Jimmy Garoppolo. He had a scheduled day off on Saturday, and I made some comments on Twitter about it, caught some flack from some people out there, uh, which is fine by me. You know, that's part of the, the deal when you put your thoughts out there. Um, not everybody will agree with you, and that and that's, that's fine. I'm going to share it with you. We'll discuss it here. Um, again, you don't have to agree with me, but whether or not he's recovering from a surgery or not, I understand team doctors, the trainers, they all have a plan for him in place to manage his reps as he continues to rehab from the foot surgery that he had back in March. But the comment that I made was the fact of the matter, for me anyways, and that's just, this is just all my opinion, Jimmy Garoppolo having to sit out after two days of practice, to me, is a reality check and a reminder of how injury prone he really is and how fragile he has been in, in recent years. And, and uh, you know, make no mistake about it. This man is injury prone. And the concerns for his health that I had uh, going, you know, when, when they were talking about possibly signing him, one of the reasons why I did not want them to sign him 
those are le- real and those are legitimate concerns. Um, so that's just kind of how I feel about it. Um, that's what I said. Some people really, really got on me, you know, said it was a terrible take and, you know, I didn't quite understand that. All I was saying is that the fact that he's, he's missing the practice, whether it was scheduled or not to me is a reminder, uh, of, of why I was not 100% on board with, with him because he, he does get injured a lot. Not that this is a new injury, but you know, again, it's a, it's kind of a, you're looking at, you're facing reality with, with Garoppolo. And, and that just kind of made me think of that. Um, so, you know, again, that's part of the, that's what you, uh, part of the business, you know, of, of content creating is when you put your thoughts out there, people are going to critique them and, and, and I'm, I'm good with that. Now on a positive note, the vibes surrounding Jimmy Garoppolo at camp seem to be very good. Um, and I'm talking about as far as the things that his teammates are saying about him uh, with the relationship side uh, of things. If you have listened to any of the comments in any of the press conferences by his teammates, they have really seemed to uh, embrace him early on in camp. Guys like Devontae Adams, uh, center Andre James, Renfro, all saying really good things about him. He's just one of the guys. He's a great guy to be around. Really nice things about being said about him. So if there were any concerns about possible hard feelings and you know certain players, especially ones that were very close to the former quarterback, you know having issues with Garoppolo, you know not that that would ever come out in the media. These guys are professionals. This is a job that they're getting paid a lot of money to do. But if you had any of those concerns, you know you shouldn't because that does not appear to be the case as at all. It sounds like he's very well liked already in the locker room. And it sounds like the relationships uh, are very strong at this point. Now, Vic Tafer of the athletic reported over the weekend, uh, that Garoppolo, at least early on is, is struggling with the long ball. I don't think that's something that any of us, you know, who follow football, I know I don't, I didn't follow Garoppolo on a weekly basis or anything like that when he was with the 49ers. Uh, but I know one thing he, he's not known to have a strong arm or to be a really good deep ball passer. Um, so I wasn't expecting that to all of a sudden happen with the Raiders. I don't expect the offense to have as many explosive plays as maybe you're used to seeing or as many deep shots as you're uh, used to seeing in the past, but I do expect, and I've talked about it a lot, the offense to be a little bit more efficient, to be ran more efficiently with his um, understanding of, of McDaniels and his offense. I expect there to be better execution, especially in the red zone. That's an area where he has excelled. So those are some of the things that I'm, you know, looking to see. Um, Again, the deep ball, just not one of those things. But as I mentioned, the vibes being good as far as the relationship part of Jimmy G goes, but the the reports that we got from Monday's practice were not glowing at all with the offense. It's early. Again, I'm not trying to make a bigger deal of this as, you know, <laughs> but you know, this is what we're talking about here. We're talking about day five of training camp practice. I can, I can only report on what is being put out there. Jimmy G had a especially rough day at the office. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor, Paul Gutierrez, Vic Tafer all reporting that Garoppolo really struggled throwing the ball. Again, the deep throws have been an issue through his first interception of training camp. 
you know, is this something that worries you? I actually put the question out there on Twitter. I'm interested to see what a lot of you have to say about that. I'd like to, if you want to actually reach out to me uh, after you listen to this show, I'd love to hear from you guys. Send me a DM. My DMs are always open. Let me know, is this something that worries you? Or, you know, is this just, you know, this happens. It's early on in camp. So let me know what you think about that. He did miss the entire offseason program. So before we get too overly critical of him, so you would expect at least some rust. He is still working with new wide receivers in the timing and you know the on-the-field communication with his teammates. But in terms of the struggles with the deep ball and the you know the longer throws, I'm just not so sure that's something we can ever expect to see kind of come back. And and I saw uh, some stats that were out there, uh, and I'm going to share them with you in case anyone missed it. Now, of the 40 of 41 quarterbacks, okay, who have attempted at least 20 passes of 30 plus yards downfield. Now, this is in the last three seasons combined, okay? Jimmy Garoppolo ranks 40th out of 41 in completion percentage on those throws, completing only 11.5% of those passes. Now, that is 3 for 26. There was only one quarterback who finished below him, and that was Marcus Mariota. So, you know, those of you out there who are saying, oh, he hasn't practiced in six months, he's working with new wide receivers, it's only the fifth practice, you know, I'd rather he struggle now than in September or October or November. I understand all that, and I'm not saying that that's not the right mindset and that you're wrong. I totally agree with you. Those are all legitimate factors. Um but again, when you look at the trends and the data that is out there, the statistics that are out there, this is nothing new for him. This is who he is. This is this is the type of quarterback that he has been uh, throughout his career, particularly in the last three years. Um, he he just struggles with those deeper throws. Now the short to intermediate routes, no problem. That's that's where he is very good. That's why I think you know. Uh, Renfro could see a resurgence this year. Uh, Michael Mayer could have a big rookie year. Those those short to intermediate throws in the middle of the field. I, I think he, you know, that's where you know you could see him make a, a big impact on this offense as well as in the red zone. So that, you know, just some of my thoughts on that. I'm not trying to pile on the quarterback. You all know I wasn't thrilled with the signing, um, but I, I think at this point we just know what he is. We know what his strengths are. We know what his weaknesses are. And the deep ball is just not one of them. All right. Now I want to pivot a little bit here. I did mention at the top of the show, some, some players that I'm interested to, to hear some more about when the pads come on, Zamir White, Britton Brown, Jacorian Bennett being a couple of those guys. Now, according to beat writers who have had a chance to view some of the portions of practice, it sounds like Jacorian Bennett has been a, a real standout thus far at practice throughout OTAs. And that's great news to hear because I was one of the guys that back during the draft, I was really pushing for them to, to take a cornerback with that first round draft pick number seven overall. It didn't happen. And, and then they ended up waiting to round four to make the pick to finally address the cornerback position, which I thought at the time was the weakest link on the defense or the position that needed to be addressed the most, it would be a huge step for this defense, uh, not only this year, but you know, over the next several years, if they could finally land, you know, a person that becomes a permanent 
uh, fixture in the secondary. Lord knows the secondary needs, um, you know, some talent. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing this Bennett kid get out there when, when the real bullets start flying. And I'm hoping that, you know, he could be a reliable guy who, who sticks around here with the organization for, for several years. Now, speaking of the, uh, the secondary, the big news last week, in addition to players finally reporting to camp and getting things underway, it was the signing of Marcus Peters. And I know that it's been well discussed at this point. I'm a little bit late on the news here uh, since it did happen last week. But Peters is 30 years old. We're going to get into a little bit here. Uh, he did miss the entire 2021 season with a torn ACL, and he had had a career low, um, only one interception last year. And by his standards, a guy who has you know, made a career of, of – taking the ball away, making interceptions and being able to like, not only does he create interceptions, but he, he takes it to the house. He's got several, uh, pick sixes and this guy's a playmaker. That's what he has been. Um, so by his standards, that was a down year in 2022. Now, historically Marcus Peters has been, you know, a very, very good cornerback, uh, in this league. We're talking about a two time all pro cornerback. And I think there are, kind of two ways you can look at this signing. Um, Some of you may disagree with this, but in my opinion, the first way you can look at this is, you know, what does it say about the state of the secondary when you go out and, you know, the day or or two days before camp starts, you're you're out there signing a cornerback. You know, to me, that's just one way to look at it. I know they brought him in for a visit uh, prior to them signing him. And they they took their time. They had him come back in and and revisited. Felt like he was in good shape and whatnot. And they signed him. But what does it say about your room or the confidence that they have in the room that they had to go out and, and continue to address um, the spot? So that that's one way to look at. It. I think most of us agree with the fact that the Raiders secondary uh, it's lacking in talent for sure. Uh, it's a revamped group this year with the the exception of, you know, a handful of guys, they got a lot of new faces there. You know, I have major concerns. Our, our guest last week, or not last week, but two weeks ago on the show, Alex Manfrida uh, uh, from the Raider Ramble, he's actually much more optimistic about the group uh, than most. Um, but, uh, and, and by the way, if you haven't listened to my most recent episode, please go out there and do that. I did have a great uh, conversation with Alex. Um, but again, he he's very much higher on the group. He thinks there's good depth there. He's excited about the group. I do think the addition of Peters helps. Uh, it's a very team-friendly deal. One year, $3 million with incentives that I think could get him up to like $5 million a year. And so you know that kind of money for a player with his upside, it's a good deal for the team. Now, it doesn't do anything really for the future of the team. And that's that's kind of how I look at things right now is, is like my mindset is that this team is, is not a playoff contender this year. So I'm looking for things that, uh, for signs of, of, you know, the future. And to me, Marcus Peters doesn't really accomplish that. Yes, he makes you more competitive right now. But, you know, this this is a guy who's 30 years old. His, his best football is behind him. So that doesn't excite me as much for the future. Now, the other way to look at this move is like, okay, anytime you have the opportunity to add a good football player, you do so regardless of... When, when it is, whether it's a day before training camp or whether it's during free agency or, or, and regardless of what the roster 
may look like at that position. There may there may be a lot of depth there already. Who cares? If you have an opportunity to sign a good player, you do that. I'm not so sure where you guys fall. I'm sure many of you are in that belief that, hey, he's a good player. If he can help the football team right now, you do that. They need help in the secondary, you sign them. Um, I kind of tend to fall in in the in the first group where you know I I had concerns. I still have concerns. Um, so that's where I'm at. Um, I do wonder what Peters has left. He has, you know, look, I mean, go back and look at the numbers. He's been a, he's had a very decorated career in this league. You know about his ability to create takeaways, get his hands on the ball. I just mentioned it. Uh, the Raiders defense badly needs that kind of thing. Uh, they're one of the lowest teams in, in takeaways over the last couple of years. No doubt about it. They need to get better there and he can do those sort of things. I think the question that people may be asking themselves is, and I know I am, so I apologize if you're not, but I'm going to put the question out there, I guess, then. You know, what what version of Marcus Peters are the Raiders getting? He is 30 years old now. Not that that's old, but coming off the ACL in 2021, a bit of a down year in 2022, you know, is that who he is now at this point in his career, or was that kind of a fluke? And and, and will he bounce back here uh, after a down year in 2022? So um, that's kind of where my mindset is with this uh, signing. I know there's a lot of people out there that are excited. It sounds like as of now, and it's still early in the process of, of training camp, the first preseason game still about two weeks away, but it sounds like it could be Marcus Peters starting on, on one side along with rookie Jacorian Bennett on the other, which really excites me, um, along with Nate Hobbs moving back to the slot where he was so successful in his rookie year. So, you know, if nothing else, it does add depth. It adds some experience. He could be there to mentor a young player like Jacorian Bennett. Um, add some competition to the group. He's got that that dog mentality. He's got the swagger, the confidence, uh, something that I think you have to have at the position. And if he could share any of that with some of these younger players on the roster, then I think it's a great thing uh, for the Raiders. And I know that's exactly what Dave Ziegler and McDaniels have preached all offseason is is adding to the depth in the in the competition at all positions. So those are a few of my thoughts on the headlines coming out of the first few days of camp. And that takes me right up into our first break here. And when I return, we will welcome in our guest this week, Mario Tover uh, from the Raider Ramble. So don't go anywhere. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, the first episode of Training Camp 2023 brought to you by SportsNot.com. Yeah, I think there's just so much, much, much more confidence in knowing their job, knowing what's being asked of them, uh, their side of the ball, their unit. Um, you know, we have, we have great guys, okay? We have great leadership, um, great people. Uh, they come to work every day <clears throat> with the right mindset. And, you know, it's just um, now the, the comfort level in the system with the communication, the expectations, uh, what every period in practice actually means. I mean, last year, I remember, you know, they'd look at the practice schedule and kind of go like, what is that in period five? You know, because it was just new to them. Now they, they know all the drills. They know all the things we're, uh, we're doing on a daily basis. So, you know, and they're willing to use their voice to help the young guys and or new guys, uh, guys that might not be as comfortable as they are. And uh, that's how teams function. You know, good teams function like that. And 
bond together and help one another. And um, I've seen a lot of that so far. That was head coach Josh McDaniels talking about the development and comfort level for his team being in the second season uh, in the same offensive and defensive scheme uh, for the second straight year. This camp has been running much smoother, it sounds like, for the team. More confidence in what they are doing on the field. And, and hopefully that translates into more efficient practices and then more success on the field once the games get underway. Uh, welcome back to Just Pod Baby, everybody. The very first episode of Training Camp 2023. Uh, please do me a favor and go out there and subscribe to the podcast. Uh, look for me out there on Twitter as well, at egrope 5 uh, we now shift to segment two of the show, and as we always do in the second part of the show, I want to welcome in our guest this week, um, and that is Mario Tovar from the Raider Ramble. Mario is the founder of the Raider Ramble, a great independent Raiders website that's out there. You can follow them on Twitter at the Raider Ramble, and please give Mario a follow as well on Twitter. That's at underscore Mario Tovar. Uh, I'm glad to finally get you on the show, Mario. I've been a fan of of your work and what you've been able to build over the years at the Raider Ramble uh, from afar, of course. I know Raider Nation appreciates you and and your website and what it has to offer. Thank you so much for making some time for us this evening and and hop on the line with me. Hey, thanks for having me on here, Evan. I know you've reached out a couple times. Sometimes the scheduling hasn't worked. Uh, You had one of our deputy editors on here, too, Alex, recently, too. So really glad, really just happy to connect with you, man. Absolutely. You've built a really good team over there, and I I respect all of the work that you guys uh, put out. And I I know recently you even uh, were able to convince my buddy Scott Gilbranson to to come over and contribute with you guys as well. So a lot of good things going on over there at the Raider Ramble. And I I encourage everyone, if you don't already, go out there and follow them on Twitter, like I said, and also follow their work uh, at RaiderRamble.com as well. But Mario, I want to start with... with, um, getting some of your thoughts on some of the recent news coming out of, of training camp. Of course, the, the Raiders went out and signed Marcus Peters, a cornerback. And, and I've talked a lot about um, on, the, on the podcast here recently about the secondary and my concerns uh, with that group. And um, although it sounds like they've been doing pretty well out there this, uh, this week at camp, but you know, I, I think for me anyways, going out and, and signing a cornerback prior to the start of training camp that kind of conf- confirmed some of the concerns that 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 I had with the with the group, um, and and I think maybe it shows that the coaching staff isn't totally comfortable with the guys currently in the room, and that that's my opinion of it, anyways. But I want to get some of your thoughts on Marcus Peters and and what it means for the secondary to have him now. Well, definitely. I don't know if it was so much uh, pointing towards they were uncomfortable with what they had. I mean. When you look at the cornerback position, the cornerback group from top to bottom, there's just a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience. Uh, you know, they, they would have really been hedging their bets on these guys really developing rather quickly. Obviously, Nate Hobbs coming back, that, would, that was going to be huge. But you plug in a guy like Peters, I, I think more so than anything else, it's quite exciting what they could possibly have there, you know, lining them up next to each other. I think that tandem right there is an automatic you know a w no matter how you want to spin it but i mean that's just one of those things it's like they were just a relatively young group but i think my cohort over here at the raider ramble alex uh did mention recently that he just felt that oh okay maybe they didn't necessarily need peters you know they got enough guys with shelly and long their other uh sort of i guess you could say underrated acquisitions you know they weren't the splashiest things but by no means are they should should they be an afterthought. 
Yeah, you know, you referenced your your cohort, uh, Alex, who was a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago with me. And you know what? He he is actually he's much higher on the secondary group than I, than I know I am and some other people out there. And, uh, you know, some of the, the, the numbers and the stats that he gave me about some of these guys that they acquired, like Duke Shelley that you mentioned, um, you know, it, it did give me some pause and, and think, you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong about this group that they have here. But anyhow, we will see how this all plays out. If nothing else, Marcus Peters will bring a, a you know, you mentioned the young players. He'll, he'll teach these young players, you know, he, he plays with a, a swagger and a, and a level of confidence that, you know, we're very well aware of because he was drafted by the Chiefs and played within the division for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he can kind of mentor some of these young corners along. Um, you know, I, I, I hear people talking a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's the talk of camp right now. All of the weapons that he has on offense, the depth at the wide receiver position, um, how important it is that he stays healthy. And we will get to him in more detail in just a moment. But to me, it's still clear that with this team, it's all about the defense. It, it's been about the defense for a very long time for this franchise. They were miserable again uh, in, in many areas last year. Points allowed, yards allowed per play, yards allowed per pass and rush. They didn't affect the quarterback enough. They didn't create enough turnovers when you look at the moves that were made uh, in the offseason, both through free agency and the draft in terms of uh, you know a personnel standpoint, do you feel like they have enough on paper right now to at least show some signs of improvement in certain areas? No, for sure. And I think, I don't, I don't know if you recall, but uh, general manager uh, Dave Ziegler did mention, this was way back in January, late January, if I'm not mistaken, where he was of the old school belief that you build the defense from the inside, you know what I mean, as opposed from the outside. That's why it explains a lot of the drafting approach that they took, you know, with all the defensive linemen that they took, and obviously rebuilding the secondary through the draft as well, but also free agency. Obviously, there's still some major concerns with the linebacker position. I think we can all, we, we all agree on that much, but... Uh, there's definitely room for improvement. I think the thing is, to my original point uh, when you were asking me about Peters, is that there's still just a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of youth, you know, whether it's the interior defensive line, whether it's that cornerback, the safeties, they're still, you know, they're banking on uh, Merrick really sort of bouncing back, you know, with a new scheme and bouncing back. You know, people are already calling him a bust, which is a little bit uh, premature, you know, I'm of that opinion, but it's just one of those things where it's like they're banking on a lot of uh, unknowns right now. You know, you mentioned uh, some of the, the young defensive linemen and the youth on the defense. Are you at all frustrated or, or concerned at all uh, about some of those young defensive linemen who are not yet practicing Tyree Wilson on the NFI list, Byron Wilson on the pup list, Neil Farrell Jr. with an undisclosed injury? You know, the d- defensive line, uh, you know, was touted uh, and you talked about uh, Dave Ziegler talking about wanting to build the defense from the inside out. Uh, this group was touted as a position with depth, and it was a position that we all know they needed some help, and they need to step up and help guys like Max Crosby on the outside. I know fans get anxious, and, and they, they get very impatient with things like this. Um, what are some of your feelings on the absence of, of those three guys? I wouldn't necessarily say it's concerning. I mean, we're barely in the first week of training camp. You know, we were expected. I, I if, correct me if I'm wrong, but we all knew Wilson was not going to be available at this point. We, that was sort of like a foregone conclusion. You know what I mean? It was going to take some time. So that's not necessarily a red flag just yet. It was sort of expected at this point. 
Uh, to your point about the actual defensive line, I think realistically you're going to end up seeing a front four of Crosby, Chandler Jones, Tillery, and Bilal Nichols to really, you know, start the season. I know it doesn't sound the most exciting considering the, the season that Jones had, but I think it's a very plausible scenario. I don't know if Tyree Wilson, you can just plug him in day one and he's going to be, you know, sort of like this impact right from the get-go. It might take some time. You know what I mean? I know a lot of people are comparing him to Alden Smith, but that took time too. You know, it wasn't from week one an instant impact. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're, you're right, Tyree Wilson, this was expected. Uh, you know, they have a plan in place for him to, you know, ramp him up and they're just not going to throw him back in there, you know, 100% uh, go, you know, <laughs> coming off the injury. Um, uh, Chandler Jones, you, you just mentioned his name. Uh, I want to ask you about him real quick. One of the He was one of the, the big disappointments last year. You know, after signing that big money deal in free agency, he never really got it going. He never really became a factor for the defense. Are you expecting a bounce back year from him? Or, or do you think last year maybe was the beginning of the end for, for Chandler Jones? I think you can look at it two ways. Uh, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the the trending story that uh, that started kind of circulating when the OTAs and stuff was like the the weight loss. You know what I mean? He looks, you can tell in the, in the videos and the pictures from camp his interviews, he's definitely a lot slimmer. He's leaner. Uh, obviously, you would think that naturally translates into a little bit more speed. The thing is, his age, too. I don't know if he's ever going to recapture sort of that glory that he had, you know, as a that he had, what was it, just a few years ago. But I think the drop-up, too, it was to be definitely one of the bigger disappointments of last year. I think when you hear him in his press conferences, for example, uh, talk to, there's a lot of emphasis on like teaching the younger players and sort of being sort of like this player's coach, if that makes any sense. And it's like, well, I don't think the Raiders <laughs> had that in mind when they invested the amount of money that they did, right? You don't pay that type of money for a player's coach, you know? It's like, it's definitely, was definitely one of the biggest disappointments last season. He can definitely still turn around, but he's not going to recapture, at least I'm of the opinion that he's not going to recapture the sort of that double digit sack, uh, prowess that he once had, you know? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it, it's great to have a, a veteran, a future hall of famer there to help, you know, mentor a young player like Tyree Wilson and even give some advice to, to a guy like Max Crosby, but at $17 million a year, it'd be nice to, you know, have a couple big, plays in a couple games, force some fumbles or, you know, create some sacks. But anyways, our guest this week on Just Pod Baby is Mario Tavar, uh, founder of the Raider Ramble. If you haven't done so yet, please check out RaiderRamble.com. Lots of great content available over there right now with their great team of writers. Uh, but I want to ask you now about Jimmy G. Uh, he passed the physical last week. That had a lot of fans worried and anxious, you know, whether or not he was going to be available at the start of camp. He is. He cleared. He's begin, you know, he's begun practicing. They also have a plan, plan in place for him, much like Tyree Wilson, to ease him back into activities before ramping things up closer to the start of the season, week one. We got reports on Monday that he struggled at practice, didn't look real sharp, has not been able to deliver the deep ball. Um, is this to be expected You know, from a guy like Garoppolo who has missed so much time in the offseason as he you know, tries to work to get himself back in sync with these new receivers and, and back, uh, you know, back into football shape? Do you think anyone should be concerned right now? 
Not necessarily. I, I wouldn't. I'm not of the mind that you should be concerned. I don't think the Raiders necessarily picked up Garoppolo for his deep ball abilities. You know, I know there's some, been some concerns and stuff, and there's a lot of talk of that right now on social media. We actually uh, made light of that earlier today. But if you really think about it, that's not why he was brought in. You know what I mean? That's why you picked up the guys that you did, such as Jacoby Myers. You know, Hunter Renfro is still going to be there. You still have Devontae Adams. Sort of this, I wouldn't call it necessarily the dink and dunk offense, but sort of those short to intermediate passes. You know what I mean? And it's, it's going to take some time for everything to gel. Obviously, here's the other thing, too, that we have to keep in mind. Garoppolo came in the cab, had a couple of days, but they're being extra precautious. Then he had a day off, you know? So it, it just reminds you of the reality of the situation with Garoppolo, that he, they still feel, you know, obviously he's fragile. So one step at a time, you know what I mean? There's going to be some rust there, obviously. So it's, you know, it's been a while since he played considering his injury towards, you know, the end of the uh, 49er run. So it's just one of those things. I don't think it's necessarily a red flag. It's going to take some time, but I think people, most people need to understand that he wasn't necessarily brought in for the deep ball either. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. And I'm glad that you said that because uh, I'm not, maybe you saw, I don't know if you did or not. I tweeted that same exact thing out yesterday, caught, caught some flack from some of my followers, but I said those same words that to me, when you have Garoppolo go out there and practice for two days and then and then have a, a day off, which I know was a planned day off, and I understand the the plan for him. But to me, it was, it was definitely a reminder and a reality check, like you said, of how injury prone he has been, uh, especially in recent years and how fragile this quarterback really is. So, um, you know, again, I, I agree with you 100% with what you had to say there. Um, one of the players who's not in camp right now, Josh Jacobs, no surprise there. This is what we expected when they were not able to reach an agreement on a long-term contract uh, by, by that July. 15th deadline when do you expect to see josh jacobs uh, again in a raiders uniform my prediction when it comes i know a lot of people are talking about jacobs and what they think and their predictions i really do think he'll be playing for the raiders in week one uh obviously this is going to go all the way through camp all the way through preseason it makes doesn't make any sense for him to risk injury or anything like that in the preseason it, it literally makes you know zero sense for him it's sort of uh He'll be ready. He's a professional. Look, I get a lot of people are turned off by the tweeting and the way he's supposedly been handling certain things, but both sides are have dropped the ball on this, is, so to speak. You know what I mean? The way the negotiations were handled and things like that. And again, I get it. A lot of people don't like Jacobs' sort of public profile, the way he's been handling things. But at the end of the day, he's an NFL player. He's a professional. He'll be suited up week one. That's my honest prediction. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Week one seems to be like what I what the consensus is, and you know it makes sense. That's when he would begin to start losing money, and that's money. That's ten million dollars. I mean, depending on how long he wants to sit out, that that would be money that he will never be able to recover again. So it, it would only he would only be hurting himself financially uh, at that point. So I do expect to see him back. Uh, for week mm-hmm. one as well. You know, last year they drafted two other running backs, uh, Zamir White and, and Britton Brown. Neither of them saw much action at all. You know, and we all know why Jacobs had an all pro year, but with the way c- things currently are with Jacobs, um, I mean, they could even franchise Jacobs again next year. I believe, you know, you can tag somebody more than once if I'm not mistaken, but mm-hmm. um that being said, do you expect to see more playing time for uh, Zamir White this year? 
uh, to see what they have in this young man. Oh, for sure. And to your point about Jacobs, I do actually, I'm also of the opinion, I don't know if you are, I don't want to speak for you, but like, I do think they're going to end up franchising him again next off season as well. They're really just going to like, you know, milk this for, for what it is. But as far as Brown and uh, White, I think we're definitely going to see, obviously, a lot of them in the preseason. I think they need to start seeing, okay, are these guys the next the next thing or, or are they not? Because sooner or later, you need to figure that out. You know what I mean? You just can't keep drafting running backs. Obviously, with Josh McDaniels in the system, it's proven. It's a proven commodity. They You're going to see productivity out of the running back position, no matter who it is. You know, he proved that year in, year out when he was coordinating in, with the Patriots. So I, my prediction is you are going to end up seeing a lot more of them, obviously, in the preseason. And at that point, once you're getting them into a, an actual in-game situation, mind you, it's preseason, but it's still a game. And we'll have a much better idea of what, we're, what they are actually working with. Yeah, and you know, of course, I, I, lo- I would love to see, and I know a lot of other Raider fans would love to see Jacobs in camp right now with the Raiders, but this is a great opportunity for Zamir White and Britton Brown to to get some extra work and, and for the coaching staff also to kind of get a better evaluation on those guys. So, you know, it, it's it's not ideal to not have one of your top players in camp, but as long as he's there week one, I think it's kind of a win-win for the organization to be able to evaluate those young players and then still get Jacobs back uh, come week one. Now, I've already kept you long enough, but I do have at least, uh, I do have one last thing I'd like to ask you before I let you run. Um, I've been preaching patience to my listeners, and I know that's not what they want to hear. It seems like every year, you know, we you're preaching patience and rebuild and all of that. I get it. I'm a fan as well. Um you know, I, I've I've said I think this could be a season, you know, of growing pains. It's a season of transition for the Raiders. Um, I'm not really going to judge this team on on the win loss record. And I know ultimately that's that's what it comes down to. Is the NFL? It's about winning and losing. But what would your message be uh, as far as expectations go for the 2023 Raiders? I would echo echo something similar, Evan. Uh, just patience. Obviously, look, we all read the forums we all read social media the comments you know we're all used to it it's a very impatient fan base but you know you can't really blame them considering the history since basically since their super bowl appearance you know it's been, it's been just terrible <laughs> i think that's the word that comes to mind it's just been terrible so it's understandable this is what they've been used to dysfunction you know all that all that all that bad stuff so it's like you definitely see where a fan is coming from. But like you said, it's by all accounts, it does appear that McDaniels and Ziegler are going to get more than just two years. This is just going to be, like you said, a year of growing pains. There's going to be a lot of growth for some of these young players. It would be unrealistic to say, okay, these guys are a playoff contender, much less a deep playoff you know, contender. So I think, a respectable sort of prediction or sort of advice for a fan would probably be to temper the expectations. I think seven to nine wins. I know it doesn't sound great, but I think somewhere in the realm between seven, preferably nine wins is really a winning season in that regard where you have to consider all the turnover, everything, all the positions that have been rebuilt, all the you know position groups that have been rebuilt, I should say. So that's probably where I'm leading to if I were to tell a fan, you know, seven to nine wins. 
Yeah, very well said, and I and I, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Uh, Mario Tovar, everybody, give him a follow at underscore Mario Tovar. Check him out uh, at the Raider Rambo. A lot of great content. Uh, they're pumping it out over there. Uh, please go support them, Mario. I appreciate the time, and and I'll definitely be getting you on again sometime down the road, my friend. Yeah, look forward to that, Evan. And thanks again for having me on. Thanks for having Alex on. We look forward to working with you a little bit more. All right, there goes our guest, Mario Tovar of the Raider Rambo. We seem to be on the same wavelength with some of our thoughts from our conversation there. He's definitely one of the good guys out there covering the team for your Raider Nation, so make sure you go out there and support him. All right, guys and gals, that takes us up to the end of the show. The Raiders' first preseason game is on Sunday, August 13th. Uh, against the 49ers at Allegiant Stadium. The 49ers will be in town actually all of that week uh, prior to the game for joint practices. So that'll be interesting to see how the Raiders hold up against a a formidable team like the 49ers and that very strong defense that they have. Um, Expect to hear from me again later next week with another new show. Uh, Until then, though, everyone, I appreciate your support as always, and I'm looking forward to a new season with all of you there with me. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, enjoy the week, and as always, just win, baby.